0: Welcome
1: into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson.
2: Matt, how are things today? Things are wonderful. Had a very good fourth. I hope you did as well. I hope our guest did as well. We got a great guest again today, and we're doing a little something different. We're doing a guest and listener questions all rolled into one.
1: Yeah, I kind of like this idea. We don't need need to answer these listener questions by ourselves. We need a little help. We've got it today (laughs) from DLF's Bobby Koch. Bobby, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. It's uh the day after my birthday. So the 4th is my birthday. So ah. can't complain about how today is going either.
2: Nice. They made nice. a movie about you.
0: They did. Everybody <laughs> celebrates, you know. I'm, I I look really good for my age. I'm 243. So <laughs> you guys have to take it easy on me.
2: Tom Cruise played you in the movie, right? Yeah, he did. There you go. Very striking similarities. <laughs> So, Bobby, you, uh, like I
1: said, you are a writer over at DLF alongside me, but you also have your own podcast, the Afterburners uh, podcast. Talk a little bit about that. How long has that been going on?
0: Sure. That's been going on for almost a year now. Uh, we went through a change this past season about four or five months ago. We changed to be a quarterback focused podcast just because that's what I'm most interested in. So we talk exclusively quarterbacks and it's called the Afterburners because it's our chance to rant about anything that's bothering us from the past week. So if you like those kinds of pods, you should check it out. It's entertaining, but it's also information about quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Definitely uh, encourage all of our listeners to check out that one as well. So so many great fantasy podcasts out there. Uh, It can be hard to keep up, but it's worth it if you can make the time. I know you listen to a, a ton of them. You can always find good information on those. So yes, our listeners check out Bobby's podcast, the Afterburners podcast for quarterback information and anything else that might be bothering Bobby. (laughs) Let's get into our questions today. Our first one comes from Troy. He says, my first MFL dynasty startup draft went went pretty well, but I ended up with only one starting running back. Uh, So it is a 14 team. Uh, There's some PPC, some points for carry scoring in there. Uh, both of those things make running backs a little more valuable, so that could be a tough spot for Troy. He says, "What is Alshon Jeffrey's running back value?" He feels like he needs to make a move. He's got Antonio Brown, Tyree Kill, uh, Cooper Cup, Rashard Matthews, along with Alshon Jeffrey. S- so, Bobby, we'll start with you on this one. In this kind of situation, do you feel your hand forced? It's it's July fifth here. Would you feel forced to make a move at all? And and if so what would you be looking for for Alshon J- Jeffrey specifically?
0: So I agree with what you said there, that it's July 5th. Trading for need isn't something that I necessarily recommend until the season is getting closer or even starts, just because you don't necessarily know what depth charts are going to look like until camp and preseason has had a chance to play out. That said, only having one running back coming out of the startup, I'd be a little bit concerned about that. I'm assuming it's a start two or, you at least want to back up for in case your guy gets injured. And I was looking at the ADP, and I saw that Royce Freeman, who's a rookie that I happen to really like, was going a little bit after Alshon Jeffrey. And with the PPC and PPR component, if you could flip Alshon, I'm guessing for Royce plus maybe a pick of some sort or another lesser player, that'd be something I'd be interested in.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. I was also checking out the ADP. I always tell people – the ADP that we have at DLF is, is not a trade tool. It's not, uh, you can't match up ADP and, and expect to make those trades in every league you're in, but it is a place to start. I think it's a, a good place to get a gauge of in general, what are these players worth or what two or three players are, have about the same value. So I was looking at that as well. And really most of those second tier running backs are going in that same range of Alshon Jeffrey. You mentioned, Uh, Royce Freeman, but Chubb, Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle, they're all kind of in that same tier. Uh, Matt, if you're moving Alshon Jeffrey,
2: do you feel okay about taking on a rookie? Yes, but the Jones-Chubb tier to me is different than the carry-on Johnson-Freeman tier. And I see why people like Johnson and Freeman, but I prefer Alshon to those guys. Uh, I would gladly trade Alshon for Michelle, or Jones or Chubb but I also bet I'm higher on Alshon than most and I know he's coming off a pretty significant injury but the Eagles locked him up long term and I think there's a really good chance he's Carson Wentz's number one target for three years so I think his approach here is wrong I mean correct me if I'm wrong Ryan but I bet he could get more for Tyreek Hill than he could for Alshon and I'd rather have Alshon straight up than Tyreek Hill
1: well, I don't agree about that second part, but I do think he could he could certainly get more for Hill, and I think he could get more for Alshon once the season kicks off, uh, assuming uh, Jeffrey is uh, on the field and, and proving he's healthy. So I, I guess in, in all our uh, or overall our advice would be don't panic yet, wait for camps to start, see how things are uh, are going from there. And the other thing I like to do in this situation is don't feel like you have to trade your stud wide receiver for a stud running back. Maybe use some draft picks, use some, some of the depth on your roster to take a chance on uh, lesser running backs, second, third, fourth tier running backs, guys like Chris Thompson, uh, Rex Burkhead. Those are guys that could help and maybe fill a starter role without hurting your starting
2: lineup. But you would want to do Alshon for like two of those, would you? I mean, unless you're that, that really that bad off at running back.
1: For two of those guys in that, like, Chris Thompson
0: tier?
2: Right.
1: No, Dude, no, I don't sure. think so. Right. No,
2: I no, wouldn't either. I, yeah,
0: yeah, that's not nearly enough for Alshon.
1: Right. Next question comes from Freakzilla, two-part question, and he's looking, looking ahead. I, I like this because I do the same thing. Uh, how good, potentially, is the 2020 rookie running back class? So – We've talked a little bit on here about next year's class and that it is expected to be wide receiver heavy. And um, I I know both of you guys focus more on the NFL maybe than you do on college football. So I just wanted, I'm just going to throw out some names, the 2020 rookie running back class, or at least the potential class would be last year's true freshman, And it is, it is stacked. Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, Deandre Swift, and Dobbins from Ohio state. Those are kind of viewed as the top four. And I think outside of Barkley, all of those are probably viewed or valued ahead of anybody else in this current class, which says wow. a lot because, yeah, right. um, you know, guys and uh, guys and Chubb. And those guys are, are nothing to, to, to laugh at or, or to uh, ignore. Uh, But that's that's how good those four guys are viewed. And then uh, going uh, even just a little bit deeper, Dylan from Boston College, Etienne from Clemson, Carr, Sermon, Najee Harris was kind of the top guy coming in uh, this time last year, the Alabama kid. And he didn't get as much playing time which seems to happen at Alabama a lot. But the point is there's a ton of depth to that 2020 class and this far out a year and a half almost two years out from being able to draft these players there's certainly potential for them to be as good as this year's class and maybe even last year's class as well so um, it looks like we're going to have a down year for rookie running backs in 2019 but 2020 should be
2: uh, even better if not on par with the past two years Ryan, how familiar are you with the quarterback class these next two years? I mean, you know the Debbie guys better than us two. Um, from what I understand, the little I've seen of this upcoming class, I would rather have the incoming rookies than next year's group.
1: Yeah, next year's group, um, I think it's similar in some ways to to this current uh, current class, but uh, I, I like the depth of the group, but there's, I don't know that we're going to have that top tier guy. So Justin Herbert from Oregon is – considered probably the top quarterback option right now. Uh, but that's, that's not considered a lock at all. There's, there's other uh, people challenging him. Jarrett Stidham from Auburn Locke from um,
2: Missouri. Missouri,
1: Missouri. Yes. And uh, Will Greer from uh, West Virginia. All of those guys are kind of in that conversation. Shea Patterson a little bit in transition. He left Ole Miss after last year going to Michigan. Uh, so he was he was kind of viewed as the top quarterback in this uh, 2019 class, but now there's some question as to whether he'll even be in that or he'll wait to 2020. And, and and just like the running backs, 2020 I think is the one that Devi guys or or dynasty players that follow college football closely that's the one they're excited about. You've got Tua from from Alabama, Jake from from Georgia. We saw both of those guys battle it out at the end of the season, uh, and, and then you have A few others, and beyond that, it's it's just hard to it's hard to foresee the quarterback class because a lot of those guys don't get to play until they're juniors or seniors. So to look at the 2020 quarterbacks, it's a little tougher.
2: Yeah, that makes sense,
0: Ryan. Just a quick question there. Based on everything you're saying, would you recommend that dynasty players trade out of their 2019 picks, or do you like the wide receivers enough that you think it's worth it to keep those picks?
1: Yeah, I've been saying that. I've kind of compared the 2019 wide receivers to 2014. So I think we could see that kind of impact again, based on the volume. There's just so many, uh, so many guys. I did a a 2019 dynasty rookie mock draft at DLF. And I think of the 12 players, uh, I think eight or nine of them were wide receivers. That's kind of what I expect those drafts to go like. So I, I probably wouldn't recommend people trading out of 2019 picks, one, because I do like the wide receiver class. Uh, and, and then second of all, I just think those picks are always worth more as we get closer to the draft. So unless it's kind of a desperation play, I try not to trade future picks, at, at least future first rounders. Next question comes from Dan. He says, can Devontae Adams take the jump into the elite tier of dynasty assets this season as Rogers' new number one wide receiver? So Adams is coming off a wide receiver 13 season last year, despite playing without Aaron Rodgers for much of the season. Uh, He was the wide receiver 11 before that. So prior to that uh, 2016 season, a lot of dynasty owners were giving up on him. He had had a couple of subpar seasons, I guess we could say, and we have proven to be a fickle bunch. I know I traded him way too cheaply to our buddy, Rich Rebar in one one of my leagues. I still regret that. Bobby, Didn't what do we you think video about
2: deal too? Uh, we... Let's
1: yeah, let's not talk about that. That was that was Eddie the
2: for Devonte Adams. Listen, I, I recall that one as well. I I don't want to think about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Matt, just just be quiet. Bobby, what do you think about <laughs> what do you think about Devonte Adams in general? Do you feel like he can crack that top tier of dynasty wide receivers?
0: Yeah, I should start by saying I was someone who gave up on Devontae Adams too early, too. I had him his rookie season on one team and thought he just had a case of the drops and was excited to sell him off on his hype and ended up selling way too low. I've since turned around on him. I know some people knock him because he hasn't got into his 1,000-yard season yet, which a lot of people use as somewhat of an arbitrary number. But I see him as almost our new Des replacement, where he's just going to score double-digit touchdowns And that's his value. And it may not be the sexiest floor, but if he gets those double-digit touchdowns every year, you're going to be happy he's on your team.
2: I don't think he's an elite talent. You know, like, I can see why he was a second-round pick. He's not Julio. He's certainly not Calvin Johnson or move like Beckham or AB. But does he have the best wide receiver situation in the whole league right now? You know I mean? Like, he's fighting Cobb and Graham for targets. And Graham's an old man. And I do think Graham's going to score a lot of touchdowns, but I don't think he's going to be a target monster. And I think Cobb's in for a spike and, you know, but Adam's the only show in town and he's clearly the best guy. It's an ideal situation.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great situation. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm going back in this question to the elite tier and just really thinking about that top tier. And for so long, we and our fantasy teams have been relying on uh, Antonio Brown and AJ green and, Julio Jones, Des Bryant, guys like that, Demarius Thomas, you know, for a while those, those were the, the top guys without much competition. And now if you look at the top 10 or 15 wide receivers, it's, those guys are still sprinkled in for the most part. But we've got these, these young guys, 25 and under, who are, are pushing them. So, I mean, right now in our ADP, Devontae Adams is wide receiver eight. He's behind Julio Jones still and, uh, and obviously behind Antonio Brown. But it wouldn't be a surprise a year from now when Brown is 30 and Jones is 30 if Adams is at least in the top five or six, just just based on those ages.
2: And the way he phrases the question is, could he take a jump into the elite tier of dynasty assets? Well, he kind of already is. He's a first round pick and startup, right? Uh, Late
1: late first, early second. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty close to elite.
0: Yeah, if he has any season like he did last season, we've seen, especially with these young guys, that they jump way up in ABP. He doesn't have much room to move, but I agree with Ryan. Even if he just repeats his numbers from last year, he'll probably pass Julio because people will sour on Julio just because he's 30.
1: Next question comes from the Dynasty Reaper. If you felt like you were one running back short of a championship, you had Rodgers, Watson, and Brady in a super flex, would you move Brady? Which running back would you target? And also, do you hold any hopes that a Clement or Thompson type can keep you in it? All right. So, mm, some similarities question. similarities to our first question with uh, with the Alshon trade. So, Matt, you are playing right now, or I guess starting right yeah. now, your first Superflex draft. Tell us a little bit about how that's going.
2: It is going well. It's been very eye opening. It's wrapping up, and. I can't believe we still have like four or five more rounds because, I mean, there's not much left. I mean, it's getting a little crazy. To answer this question from just the knowledge of that draft, if you have Rodgers, Watson, and Brady, I mean, clearly you'll get the least for Brady by a massive amount. But I feel like you have to move one of those guys. I mean, somebody's going to pay you for Brady. And just in fantasy in general, I do think it's a good point, though, about the Clement Thompson role that – you probably can, if you're a pretty astute owner and you listen to Dynasty Blueprint, you you probably can find a running back that'll score you, you know, reasonable points that doesn't kill you throughout the year like those guys, like Woodhead has for so long, those types. But that's dangerous waters. I mean, it, instead, I think I would field offers for one of those three quarterbacks and maybe even Watson. Like, what well, if you yeah. traded Watson for... Trubisky, a future or in a running back, you know, something like that.
1: I think that would be okay. Bobby, what, what's your play here?
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with Matt, The I do think that if you have Watson in a super flex and super flex is my favorite format to play. So if you have Watson in a super flex, you can pretty much trade him for anything you want because everybody loves Deshaun Watson. So if you put him on the block and you're not getting superstars back for him, you're doing it wrong because mm-hmm. quarterback values in superflex are just so high and everyone loves Deshaun Watson cuz he's so young and had that insane touchdown rate that you can get pretty much anything you want for Watson as long as you're not asking for let's say Todd Gurley back but short of Gurley pretty much anything you want to ask for Watson you can get back and you'd be fine starting uh Brady and your other quarterback so I really think, or sorry, Brady and Rogers there. So yeah, you'd be perfectly fine. And I agree trading Watson would probably be the
2: most EV move you can make. Do you think this guy could get something like Trubisky or a rookie quarterback or Lamar Jackson, who's my favorite and a guy like Geis? Uh, For Watson, I would say he easily could. It depends on the owners
0: in his league, obviously, because there's different markets, but from my understanding of playing in a few different superflex leagues, he should be able to do that. Maybe even a little bit more.
2: Yeah. Maybe a pick too, or, you know,
1: you guys are a little different on this one than me. I, not only would I not trade Watson, I don't think I would even trade Brady. I would just try to make do it at running back because I think having those three top quarterbacks is such a huge advantage. I guess I would explore maybe trying to move Brady if you can get a guy like you're talking about, Matt, like if you can go down to a rookie or to Trubisky, if, it just depends on how people are, are valuing that because there's mm-hmm. plenty of people out there who would rather have those rookies or rather have Trubisky over Brady uh, considering his age and what's left of his career. But if you can find, uh, find one that still values Brady as a top six or eight quarterback, then that might be the move to make, and, and maybe get a running back
2: back on top of that as well. Uh, one one quick way to look at that, though, too, though, is if somebody's in the if you're in a league of twelve people and somebody wants Brady, then they're your direct competition for the crown, and you make them immensely better.
1: Yeah, that's that's why I said I would just try to make do and keep all three of them. When I'm playing super flex, I build my teams around quarterbacks. I mean, if we have a if we have a draft, there might be. Th- I might make quarterback three picks out of my first five potentially um, so that they're, they're going to be the uh, cornerstone of my team for sure. And we see, we see injuries at the quarterback position every year. We saw it last year with two of these guys on his roster, Rogers and Watson. So I wouldn't be in a hurry. Uh, and like we say, with all veterans, if you do want to move Brady, wait until the season, that's when those veterans will carry the most value.
0: And just one quick thing to add there. In Superflex, you definitely want to build around your quarterbacks because – and a guy like Watson is a good piece to build around because if you have that anchor at your quarterback position, people are going to be chasing those rookie quarterbacks with their picks in the first round or the second round. And if you're already set at quarterback, you're going to get a lot of value at wide receiver and running back when those quarterbacks knock them down
2: year after year. Ryan, you know where else do you get value? Simplecontacts.com. We've told you about them a little bit on the recent podcast. They're in my eyeballs as we speak. I love them. And even though I have what you quote is not a real job, I work from home, I have a lot of time on my hands to do whatever. I still don't want to go to the eye doctor. I mean, you talk about a waste of time and half your day. Instead, you can go to simplecontacts.com slash Dynasty, use our code Dynasty20, that's two two zero at the end of Dynasty, and you can save 20 bucks on an already cheap deal with these guys. So Simple Contacts is the most convenient way to review your contact lenses prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's visionary care for the 21st century. You need to, re- you need to renew your prescription? Take five minutes Simple Contact vision test online. It even took me less than five minutes. It'll be reviewed by a licensed doctor. You receive a renewed prescription and reorder your contacts. All you need is your current contacts, an internet connection, and 10 feet of space to move your computer so you can take the test. Even if you're totally out of contacts, they've got an option for you too. If you have an unexpired prescription, just upload a photo of your doctor's information and order your lenses. So make note though, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye eye health exam, though. I mean, but this is a great way to get contacts, and it's unbelievably unbelievably convenient. There are a million things demanding your time. Contact lenses should not be one of them. Simple Contacts lets you renew your prescription and reorder your contacts from anywhere in minutes. Your couch, sure. your office, absolutely. The doctor's office is now wherever you are. The Simple Contacts vision test is self-guided and takes much less than five minutes. Think of how much time you save compared to making an appointment, getting an eye doctor, taking time off, finding a babysitter, all that nonsense. It's designed by doctors and licensed ophthalmologists review every test. Careful to make sure that your eyes look healthy and that your vision hasn't changed. Simple Contacts is all the brands and types of lenses you're familiar with, so you never have to shop around and find your lenses at the best price. They're always at Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts has been, rating, been rated five stars over 4,500 times on the App Store. You can text with a support team and get to speak to people in person as opposed to automated systems. It's summer, and there's no shortage of reasons to have contacts on hand. So stock up right now at Simple Contact. The vision test is only 20 bucks. Compare that to appointment, which is without insurance, is up to like 200 bucks. Contact lens prices are unbeatable. Standard shipping is free. And best of all, we're, we're offering a promotion to our listeners. We can save another 20 bucks by going to simplecontacts.com slash Dynasty. Use the promo code Dynasty20. Guys, our next question comes from
1: Eric. He's actually got a couple of questions. What up, upcoming free agent are you looking to buy this season outside of Tevin Coleman? So he's looking ahead to 2019 free agency especially since the Jarek McKinnon signing and the, uh, the major value increase that he has seen. Lots of talk around uh, Dynasty Leagues about Tevin Coleman, about Duke Johnson prior to his contract extension. But who else? Who are some other free agents that might be interesting and, and might be in for uh, a value spike if they can find a new team in a perfect situation next offseason? Bobby, do you have any in mind?
0: Yeah, someone I've heard thrown around a lot that I agree with, but I'm also going to give another one just because I have heard this thrown around a lot, is TJ Yeldon. But another Mm -hmm. one that I find interesting is Spencer Ware, because Spencer Ware, as we know, is currently backing up Kareem Hunt, but it wasn't that long ago that before his injury in 2016, he had over 1,300 yards from scrimmage, which is pretty darn good, and he's only going to be 27 next season, so it's not like he's going to be That old, and considering he had the entire 27 season off, he doesn't have that much tread on the tire. So, I could see another team picking him up and taking a chance on him. The one thing I will add, though, is with all these incoming rookie running backs that we've had over the past few seasons, I think it's going to be tough for anybody to find a really defined role going forward. Just because if any of the talent hits like we think it will, there's not going to be many teams that exactly have a need for a running back.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mentioned this um, on uh, on another podcast recently. We look for the next whatever all the time, every every season, and usually the answer is there's not one. There, you know, there's not a next Darren Sproles or Anquan Bolden. Those guys, Tom Brady, there's not there's not going to be a next uh, guy like that because they are such an outlier. And and I think Jarek McKinnon, who knows what he his season's going to be like this year, or is his career with the 49ers, but just the value jump that we've seen from him. He's he's climbed almost 200 spots in our ADP in the past year. And, and that's essentially based on a solid season taking over for Cook in, in his injury and and a plum landing spot. That's not going to happen every offseason. season. Uh, it, it could happen with Coleman. Matt, you've talked about Coleman landing in in Pittsburgh. if If Bell is gone and Coleman comes in, then yeah, it probably would happen again. We'll be talking about, about Tevin Coleman as a top 10 or 12 or 15 uh, running back. But for the most part, those things are not going to repeat themselves. I, I like the Spencer Ware call. I think some people do think of him as old. So he's actually right now, I, I believe he's the same age as Jarek McKinnon. So definitely not a guy that that we should look at as as being near the end of his career. A, a couple other guys I had in mind, Latavius Murray, talking about McKinnon's teammate there. He and McKinnon shared that backfield after Cook went down. He's set to be a free agent next year. Uh, and then Corey Grant, you mentioned TJ Yeldon, his teammate. I think I like him. I think I like Grant better than Yeldon. Uh, and we'll see how the season goes for them. Whichever one of them can earn uh, the more prominent role behind and
2: Fournette is, is likely due for a big payday. Yeah, a lot of good points by both of you. And I think one of them was, Who's really even going to be in the market? But then I'd counter that. You know What teams would be in the market? Then I'd counter that, though, with every year you see, you know, the Browns and Niners come to mind. There's always 10 teams that have more money than they know what to do with. So we'll go sign Carlos Hyde. Or, you know, we'll go sign McKinnon to more than he's worth. Because they got to spend it somewhere. They're just, it's too much money to spend for some of these teams. The other thing I just wanted to mention is more and more and more, and this trend is growing unbelievably fast when you look at NFL history, if you can't catch, and more than that, if you can't run routes and be a real asset as a receiver, no one's going to look at you as a potential number, or number one running back. So
1: do you think Zeke is kind of the last of his kind?
2: No, I just think Dallas doesn't know how to use him. Because remember how much we talked about him being a great receiver coming out of Ohio State? You know, like, he's great in protection. He's a great receiver. I just think Dallas isn't all that well coached and haven't used him that well. And maybe we'll see it this year because all the targets that walked out the door. But I think the Fournette's of the world, I mean, to me, he's kind of the the throwback. He's the 1980s back. You better be darn special to be Fournette or Adrian Peterson or, you know, one of those types. Guys and Chubb, I guess, will be the next questions on those.
1: I don't know if Chubb is. I think Chubb can catch the ball.
2: I do, too. I I think guys can, too. Jordan
0: Howard is a good example, though. Jordan Howard's a guy who, at least for now, has made a career of being a good rusher
2: but can't catch. That's yeah. why he's a huge huge sell for me
1: yeah and, and we hate Jordan Howard so uh, maybe maybe that's a, a bad sign uh,
2: Eric also and the coaching staff might hate Jordan Howard yeah well, they throw ball they want to
1: throw the ball to running backs we'll find out uh, Eric also wondered what wide receiver is a breakout candidate for us this season Bobby, do you have a breakout wide receiver?
0: I guess so. It's kind of interesting. There's a few different ways that I could have gone here, but I'm going to go with Quincy Inunua. And the reason I say that is somebody has to catch passes for the Jets. Robbie Anderson might be suspended for all his off-field antics. And if Sam Darnold comes in and plays, it's going to be very interesting to see who he locks onto. And if he locks onto Inunua, I think that could mean very good things for Inunua. And he kind of had that breakout with pre-neck injury, and then everyone kind of faded him because he a little bit himself over the down the stretch so we've seen flashes of him having some upside so he's a guy i'm very intrigued by and i think his adp is something in like our 12th to 14th round of dynasty startup value so he's a guy i've got my eye on
2: is cobb as a bounce back count or is davis and mike williams too easy since they were both very early draft picks
1: Yeah, I think they'd probably be too easy for our audience. I think everybody everybody still has high expectations for those. The guy I like is Taewon Taylor. I think we're all Hmm. expecting a a completely new look for the Tennessee offense. A a lot of mouths to feed there in in some ways. Rashard Matthews is the guy that keeps performing and continues to be underrated. And really the same said for his teammate Delaney Walker at tight end. But then you've got Corey Davis and you've got – uh, you've got Taylor and you've got Johnny Smith, uh, the backup tight end. So I think we're going to see these young guys start to play a larger role. And uh, Taylor's the guy that's still going underrated that I'm. I'm trying to buy up where I can.
2: You obviously went both went much deeper than me, but I also think Galladay and Dachson, who you know Brian abhors and can't stand them, but I think Galladay and Dachson could take big steps forward this year.
1: Next question from Brian. How do you guys approach being a contender yet rebuilding at the same time? So you've got a strong team, uh, but maybe that team is getting a little bit older and uh, you want to continue to contend, but also look toward the future. How do you balance that, Bobby?
0: Yeah, that's tough. I guess my answer would be I'm always looking for ways to acquire future picks, especially in future classes, because you can build a super team by acquiring pieces to contend but at the same time buying future picks while they're being discounted. And by that, I mean, picks that are two years out. I've heard people say they treat two years out first round picks as second round picks. And I don't agree with that evaluation at all. So I often buy those up on my contenders so that every year I just have a new influx of first round talent coming onto a team that hopefully already has some veterans to balance out the incoming rookies.
1: Yeah, that's a nice play for sure. Um, And, and, Those picks, as we said earlier, the closer you get to the draft, they're only going to gain value. So uh, even stocking up on picks doesn't mean you have to make all those picks. You can easily flip those down the road and and add some uh, talent to your team, either through rookies or through trades. I I guess the thing I would say, and when I read this question, I thought of one specific team, Matt, it's our uh, hyperactive two-league where I've been a contender for the past few years. I've, I've got a strong team, but that team is also built on some of those aging players we talked about earlier. Uh, I have both Green and Julio on that team. I have Gronkowski on that team. So it, you just kind of want to try to make moves to, to maybe stay in the same talent tier, but, but
2: get younger at the same time. I think so, maybe a Julio for Devontae Adams, like we were talking about before.
1: Right. I, I made a trade similar to that in another league. I'm, I made a couple trades here that I think um, uh, over the past couple of months, I, I think makes some sense in relation to this question. I traded Cameron Bray and a second round pick for Trey Burton. So now Burton is my backup behind Gronkowski. I, uh, he's another player our question was about a wide receiver breakout, but Trey Burton is a guy I think we could see a breakout season from this year. So now I feel a little bit better about having Gronkowski and and a player I view as a solid backup behind him. And then I made a a pretty big trade to get younger, but I think I stayed in the same tier talent-wise. I traded Le'Veon Bell and T.Y. Hilton. I got Kareem Hunt and Stephon Diggs and a couple of picks. So um, especially at running back – especially at running back. I took a step down from bell to hunt. Uh, I, I think most people probably value digs over Hilton at this point, but at both spots, I got, uh, I, I got significantly younger and, um, I think I can still compete on the same level just with some different pieces.
0: Yeah. That's a great move. Yeah.
2: Well said.
1: Next question, another one from Brian. I don't know if it's the same Brian, but but this Brian says, I hear people make the argument to take Penny over Geis. At which point does opportunity outweigh talent? So we know the story here. It's been talked about a lot on our podcast and every other podcast. Darius Geis was projected by most to be the 1.02 in Dynasty rookie drafts. He fell uh, to the later part of the second round. Whereas Rashad Penny uh, was the surprise pick in the first round to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but we're a little worried about that offensive line. We're a little worried about that offense in general. So now there's been a little bit of a, of a debate between Geis and Penny as to which player should really be the 1.02. So, Bobby, first of all, if you have the 1.02, what are you doing with it?
0: I'm taking Geis, and I don't think that he fell that far in the draft to really knock him for it. And the other thing is I think there's a balance. It's hard to say what talent exactly is because, for example, coaching and so many other things have a huge impact on that. Jared Goff under Jeff Fisher is my go-to example of was he not talented or was Jeff Fisher a terrible coach? And then McVay comes in and suddenly Jared Goff looks like a good young quarterback to build your dynasty teams around. So I believe in both opportunity and talent, but if all things are equal, take the guy who I think has the better opportunity. And to me, that's guys.
1: Matt, what about you? I don't know if we've talked about this specifically too much. Would you take guys or Penny or somebody else?
2: I don't think they're close. I think guys is a far better player in a better situation. And probably some people think that the Seattle situation is better because they've drafted them the first round. They must be dedicated to running the ball. He's clearly the top guy. There's no Chris Thompson type. I don't see it that way. I mean, the Washington O line's a thousand times better, especially if they can stay slightly healthy, which they're unable to do last year. I don't see P Ryan as a as a guy to worry about. Um, Thompson, yeah, he'll catch some balls, but he'll probably get hurt. And then Guys will catch some balls and we'll forget to talk. We won't talk about Chris Thompson much anymore. Um, I don't think they're close. I mean, Guys is my second rookie. I think Penny's my sixth and I'll own Penny nowhere.
1: Yeah. I've got Penny a little bit higher, but guys is still certainly my 1.02 as well. So at which point does opportunity outweigh talent? It sounds like we think the opportunity is even uh, the opportunity and the talent are both on guys's side here. So not much of a question, uh, at least among the three of us next question from Hamlet a trade question. Would you trade McKinnon and Corey Davis? for Adam Thielen and Kareem Hunt. So moving, uh, if you want to compare specifically positions, moving from McKinnon to Hunt, moving from Corey Davis to Adam Thielen. Matt, let's start with you this time.
2: What do you think? I think um, I think that's pretty close. Thielen worries me a little. I mean, I, if you watch the tape, Thielen is the number one receiver there, more so than Diggs. I just don't know that it'll continue. I think I still, I want Thielen and Hunt the more I think about it. I'm a big Corey Davis fan, but I like Hunt more than McKinnon. I think he's certainly more trustworthy at this point. Situations are both excellent. Thielen's certainly more trustworthy than Davis as much as I like him.
1: Bobby, what about you?
2: Yeah,
0: I couldn't really say it any better than Matt just said it. The only thing I'll note here is that I've been a big Thielen truther, me and our uh, buddy, Jake Anderson, uh, uh, TLF. NFL draft talker on Twitter, always talk about Adam Thielen. And I'm also a little concerned about Thielen just because I don't know who Cousins is going to prefer between him and Diggs. But the difference between Hunt and McKinnon to me is still pretty sizable. And I know McKinnon fell in an ideal situation, but I'm not quite buying into his hype as much as some others are.
2: One thing I want our listeners to look for, though, in the preseason or even training camp and beat reader reports is who's getting more work in the slot, Thielen or Diggs? Because both have done well there. Thielen was more so the slot guy last year. Diggs was more the slot guy two years ago. And I think whoever the slot guy is has a chance, will probably be the number one in the offense. Well,
1: if you want to make it this simple, I, I checked our ADP quickly at DLF. Obviously, Hunt is going ahead of all the rest of these guys in our ADP. He's a borderline first rounder. Uh, so Hunt is going before Corey Davis. Adam Thielen is going ahead of Jarek McKinnon. So in that way, it, it makes it a little bit of a
2: slam dunk for that Thielen-Hunt side. What else is slam dunk, Ryan? Our buddies at Harry's, of course. Come on. Yeah, I've mentioned to you guys so many times. I used to be an electric guy because anytime I used straight razors, I ended up with bumps and sore face because I have sensitive skin. And then I found Harry's, you know, even before Dynasty Blueprint, and that's all I ever used. Like I told you, simple contacts were in my eyeballs. Harry's is what I shaved my face with this morning. Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors isn't an easy decision, but it should be. So they created a trial offer. Claim yours right now by going to harrys.com dynasty. Harry's founders are fed up with overpaying for expensive razors with unnecessary features. So they kept it simple, and they knew that a great shave comes down to great blades with made with sharp, durable steel that lasts and is very reliable. That's why they bought a factory that's been making some of the greatest quality blades in the world for now for over 95 years. By selling directly to you on the over the internet, Harry's can offer their blades at a price much lower than the leading brand. It's only really two bucks a blade compared to four or five, which is crazy. Quality guarantee: if you don't love their shave, let Harry's know within 30 days, and they'll give you a full refund. So here's our the trial offer you can get through us. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. A wonderful weighted handle, five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel that smells wonderful, travel blade cover. Listeners to our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash to redeem your offer and let them know that we sent you to help support the show. Guys, our next question comes from Eric
1: and actually Matt, this one is directed towards you. You were all in on Martavis Bryant last year. I remember you saying that there was, there was a lot of excitement on the show uh, over Martavis Bryant and his progress. Uh, Obviously it didn't work out other than Juju. What were you wrong about or what went wrong? Also, any chance for a bounce
2: back with the Raiders? Well, it's interesting because you mentioned I'm in that uh, startup that's, that's kind of winding down here. But I took Martavis at, in the 16th round of the startup. I, I mean, he's still in a good situation. I know there's another potential looming suspension, but the latest blurbs I've read on that are – a little bit more positive and being around him and knowing a lot of people that were around him in Pittsburgh, everyone thought that he was truly on the straight and narrow and had things pretty well under control. And I've said this on local radio a lot is before when he was suspended, I often said Martavis looks like the most, one of the most talented receivers in the entire draft, that some of the way he contorted his body and could bend the corner and explode out of his brakes for being such a big man. I was floored and then he added all this weight he looked even faster but he didn't play that way you know when he came back last year I thought his tape was much better than his numbers and there was certainly a disconnect between him and Ben but I didn't think he was as freaky and I don't know why and I don't know if he'll redeem that or not but the Raiders gave up a lot for him in early third I think he's worth buying very low right now
1: Yeah, I think so, too. It seems like uh, I mean, there's always always a concern with guys like Brian who have shown that that history of off field issues. So I I don't know that the concern will ever really go away, especially when rumors and and reports pop up like they have over the past few weeks. But uh, it it seems like that was at least a false report. So uh, hopefully we'll see. Martavis on the field this year, and and if we do, then yeah, absolutely. I think he's uh he's a good buy low target right now. I think his price is still being affected by those rumors that we heard. Bobby, any thoughts on Martavis?
0: Uh, yeah, nothing that you guys didn't already say. The only thing I'd add is just on the off chance that the suspension does come and it's for longer than we think, I've been acquiring Ryan Switzer off my waiver wires just because I think he could step
2: into that slot role for them. But one thing about Gruden. He has fed a top dog receiver throughout his career. And I got to think that's Amari, but I don't think any of us looked at Bryant as that anyway.
1: Right, right. Uh, I I do like the uh, Switzer call. I've been doing the same thing. And actually our next question involves him. Uh, It comes from Jerry. Which of the following are not worth a roster spot on a 24-man rebuilding roster? So he's got four names here. Jonathan Williams, Carlos Henderson, d'angelo henderson ryan switzer so i would say first of all typically on a 24 man roster i don't think any of those players would be worth a roster spot um <laughs>
2: maybe are right right
1: jerry does note that he's rebuilding here though so you've got to take a chance on some youth at that point uh i think switzer would be my top target off this list um and, and i think williams jonathan williams would probably be my first cut bobby what do you think
0: Yeah, I agree with that. In fact, I agree with the take that you shouldn't have any of these guys on a 24-man, but if I had to pick two from this
2: list to have on that roster, it'd be Switzer and Carlos Henderson. Yep, I agree. Matt? D'Angelo would be last for me. Switzer would be first. Henderson's a guy I've picked up for nothing after the draft, You know, since they drafted the two receivers, because I think there's a lot of talent there. I, I don't know how football smart he is and things. I could see him even getting traded somewhere, you know, in week two of the preseason. But I think there's a lot of ability. I liked him a lot just a year ago, so I'm not ready to give up on him.
1: Yeah, so they've got Carlos Henderson. They drafted Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton this year. I I mean, it's. I think it has to be fair to assume that in two years, in 2020, Demarius and Sanders are both gone, right?
2: Maybe even next year.
0: Uh, Yeah, I was going to say both their contracts are very easily cuttable next season for not too much in dead cap, which uh, I just like to check every few seasons and especially of older assets, what their contract situation is like. So they could get out from that. And then Cortland Sutton could see an increased opportunity. And then I could see a battle between Henderson
2: and uh, Deshaun for that third spot. Talk about a coincidence. My phone buzzed as we were talking and I auto drafted Carlos Henderson in the 24th round just now. (laughs) all All in we'll see how that goes
1: (laughs) Next, next question comes from sean sean says uh is there enough targets and touches to go around in kansas city for hill sammy kelsey and hunt to all be top fantasy assets this year so one thing i noticed just just accidentally i think i was looking at our buddy addison's uh ff statistics site recently and i realized that Last year, you had the quarterback, uh, Alex Smith, you had Hunt, you had Hill, and you had Kelsey all as top 12 assets at their position, which clearly seemed like an anomaly or, or a, a, at least a rare um, occurrence, I guess is a better way to say it. And I, so I started looking back, and uh, as far back as I had time to look, I think it was about 10 years, that had never happened. So I, I guess that tells me that adding Sammy to that mix along with those guys, the answer has to be no, that there's not enough, uh, enough touches and targets to go around for all of those guys to uh, be starter level or, or really be impact fantasy players. The question is, who's on the outside looking in? Bobby?
0: Uh, coincidentally, I don't know if Sean has been following my DLF work, but my most recent article is About Sammy Watkins and the target distribution in KC. And spoiler alert, the article is called Turn Down Watts, so I think Sammy Watkins is the one who is on the outside looking in. But I also am admittedly could be totally wrong about that. I think it's going to be hard to figure out between him, uh, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill how the targets get distributed. And I also think that. Mahomes is essentially a rookie quarterback. So trusting all of them to be a top option is a little hairy. I just don't know. I think at least two of them will still be top options. I just don't know which two.
1: Yeah, it's hard enough already to figure out because you've got these players coming off major 2017 seasons and you try to project which might be able to repeat that. And then you bring in Sammy Watkins that obviously throws a wrench into things. And then you make a quarterback change. So this this team has um, has a lot going on. It's going to be a, a fantasy hotbed just because of those names. And, and really one that we probably should be studying more to try to figure it out, just like
2: Bobby's been doing. Yeah, I mean, I love Mahomes, but I can't believe that he'll play as well as Alex Smith did last year. You know, I think Mahomes eventually will be better, but Smith was really good last year and put up really good numbers. And the offense scored a lot, moved a lot. So I think the pie gets a little smaller and it's going to get divvied a little bit more. So I think, you know, Kelsey probably loses a 10 targets or something, you know, a, a small piece. I think Hill has to go down pretty dramatically in terms of usage in the offense. And he still can win you a couple of weeks. And he's going to hes still the most dangerous wide receiver in the whole league. But they paid Sammy Watkins like a big time number one. He's gonna get. He's gonna get some. I mean, he's. I think he's gonna be a fantasy wide receiver three, and I think Hill will probably be a fantasy wide receiver three, and Kelsey will take a small step back. Small.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, guys, our last question today. We got a little bonus question that just came in. Uh, comes from Chance. Who are your favorite high upside running back handcuffs to draft late in startups this year? Uh, He mentions maybe guys like James Conner or Edmonds from Arizona. Bobby, any names come to your mind?
0: Yeah, and we just had a good article come out about this on uh, DLF. But Ido Smith is the guy that I'm looking at because we mentioned earlier, Tevin Coleman might be gone, and I could see him stepping into that Tevin Coleman role next season. It's not so much for this season, but he is a guy I'd look to acquire on the cheap this season if he can.
1: Yeah, I like that Edo Smith call. Some of the guys we've already mentioned in this episode, Latavius Murray, uh, Spencer Ware, Chase Edmonds, those are all guys going uh, just barely inside the top 200. I think all of those make sense. I, I will say I, I think sometimes we try to chase these guys too much and then their value becomes uh, inflated. I'm, I'm looking at this ADP and I'm seeing guys like Naheem Hines uh, that, that we've talked a ton of, about on here. And Tariq Cohen, who who we love, but these guys are are cracking the top one hundred as as backups or part time players, and at that point, it's it's tough to invest in those type players.
2: No doubt, and the two I like are, are Jackson with the Chargers and Kelly with the Rams. They're always going to be backups, but the guys ahead of them have gotten such a workload, it wouldn't shock me if they went down and they get all of a sudden thrust into a great role, but you need an injury to happen. And the one I always bring up that I know you can't stand is Kenneth Dixon. Well, I mean, he's a player I've kind of given
1: up on, and when you give up on players, sometimes that doesn't work out. Uh, Baltimore, talk about a tough spot to figure out. that They have so few weapons, even though they've added – a dozen wide receivers this year. I I still don't think there's any clear answer there in their offense in general. Alex Collins had that great year, but uh, at the same time, I don't view him as, as a safe bet. So uh, if, if Dixon can get past the injuries and the off field, he had all these things hitting at once last year. It seems like the Ravens still like him. I I don't think they drafted anybody.
2: No, Uh, they didn't. He's so, also an awful pass
0: blocker. <laughs> that they seem to refuse to commit to Alex Collins this offseason, too, even though he had a pretty good season. And Collins has risen dramatically in ADP, probably because a bunch of people have been talking about him. So he's not exactly a value anymore. I definitely like the Kenneth Dixon call.
1: All right. Well, Matt likes having you on the show then.
0: <laughs> Come back
1: anytime. All right, Bobby, that will do it for our questions today. Before we go, tell all our listeners one more time where they can find
0: your work. Sure. You can find my work at DLF Football as well as 2QBs.com. I'm a co host of Afterburners Pod, and you can always find me on Twitter at RepFantasy. That's R E K E D Fantasy. As our friend John Bosch likes to say, I'm a Twitter tough guy, supposedly.
1: Mm. <laughs> nice, nice. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint.